Thank you for listening to the Caleb Hires Podcast. I'm here to help you win the war for love. If you're new here, subscribe or check out my website, calebhires.com, for more resources. In today's podcast, you're going to hear part one of my conversation with Michael Lombardo, my dear friend who is an author and speaker. We're going to be talking about breaking out of religiosity and getting rid of religious norms that keep us from encountering God. Here's part one of that amazing conversation. I'm going to bring on my friend. He has an amazing book called Immerse in His Glory. It's available everywhere. We'll talk about it again. And he's just, he's become a dear friend of mine. We met at a, a, a conference that we're both ministering at. And it's just been, uh, I don't know, love at first conference. I dearly love him and his family. He's an amazing author, speaker. He speaks all around. He's in, um, uh, he's been, he's, his book and podcast have been endorsed by some amazing high level leaders in the body of Christ. And so you can check out his book, Immersions, where you can also go to Life Poured Out, I-N-T-L, international there, dot org, Life Poured Out, international dot org to check out more about him. But without further ado, Michael, what's up, my friend? What's going on? Dude, so, so happy glad to be here. Man, you've had me on your podcast yes. twice, right? a couple times. Always a pleasure. Man, and it's been it's taken too long, but here we are. <laughs> the time is here, my friend. It's good. I'm, I'm glad yeah. it's happening. Yeah, I took a break. I took a little break from podcasting, you know, and that, you know, there's that. But I'm so glad I'm, I'm just getting started back up. You're one of the first people I reached out to. I'm like, I got to have Michael because you have so much in your heart. You're just a you're a, a fountain of of pure love for Jesus. And the way you express that love through teaching, through writing, through your podcast, it's just really you're an inspiration to me. I've told you this, but you really do. You're an inspiration to me. You're an encourage. You're a constant encouragement to me. Michael is that guy who just is always cheering me on. You're always saying, you got this. You can do it. You're amazing. We need people like that in our lives. And Michael, you're that for me, bro. I'm Whoa. so appreciative of you. Well, Seriously. man, the Lord really highlighted you to me when I met you, just your faith and your and your fervency. And I just saw Jesus all over you, man. And I don't know, the Lord just kept putting you in my brain after that. When I would think of, oh, you know, a different, you know, when it came to publishing, when it came to somebody I knew in your area, I wanted to connect you with. I don't know, the Lord kind of works in my with, with my brain that way. And you told me I was a social yeah. connector. And so I'll meet somebody and then I'll think of somebody else. It's like, oh, these people got to get to know each other. These people got to meet. But dude, I've always admired your ministry. I love your bold uh, proclamation of the gospel of Jesus, unashamed, just <laughs> bold declaration of the gospel, preaching the finished work of Christ, identity, but at the same time, you are encouraging, inspiring, motivating people to live holy lives, to to live the fullness of Jesus Come in on. this day and time. And so anyway, bro, I love, and we have similar spiritual parents and people that we've run with. And so dude, it's yeah. an honor to, to know you and run with you. I love what you're doing in Tampa. Amazing church. We were able to visit your church for the first time, you know, uh, about a month ago. And so, yeah. dude, I love your church and the Holy Spirit's all over it. Yeah, man. So thankful. Again, your words mean so much. We're not, you've said these things online and offline. So he's, you know, mm-hmm. it's just, you're, you're amazing, dude. And, and you're amazing family. <laughs> you, have, you have two amazing kids, you have an amazing wife, and you're just, you're, you're doing it, man. And mm-hmm. you're now stationed in Texas. Dallas. Yep. Right. Yep. Dallas. Mm-hmm. And you're, you're part of the movement up there, but mm-hmm. God's moving and, and even birth a new ministry in you. We won't let that out of the bag, but I'm excited. <laughs> I'm yes, excited sir. for what God's doing. So again, yes, uh, before we jump into the content, immerse in His glory. What do they need to know about that book? I want to make sure that everybody gets content or gets this content sure. because it's so good. What? Why did you write immerse in His glory? Before we jump into the content for the podcast, I believe the core of the gospel is intimacy with God, 
and Jesus Christ came to make that happen. And so I believe for me, man, when I was first captured by the Lord, it was his tangible manifest presence, just enrapturing me, his love that poured into my heart that broke off depression, broke off fear, broke off shame. It was his love being poured into my heart. And then he began to reveal purpose and my identity. And, you know, I saw myself speaking and God began to, you know, share with me certain things about my, you know, who I am and what I'm going to do in the world. But I wouldn't want to do any of those things if it wasn't, if I wasn't connected with him. I don't follow him from a distance. We're walking hand in hand. He is Christ in me, the hope of glory. I have that unbroken fellowship and communion with him. And so I have a conviction. I've, I've, you know, I've, I've lived it and I continually daily have to set my mind to live it. But there is a place where we don't just experience God at conferences, experience him at, you know, in church, in a service. But there is 24-7 access to the presence of God, hearing his voice, knowing him deeply, intimately, personally. A book that really impacted my life when the Lord is teaching me about the practice of his presence was by Brother Lawrence, the practice of the presence of God. And so for me in this book, I just, all fruitfulness flows from intimacy with God. That is language from Heidi Baker, but it speaks a language of my heart. And so this whole book is about intimacy with God being our primary purpose in this life and how our identity, our calling, our anointing flows from that place and how we shouldn't just segment areas of our lives. But this is holy. This is where I can encounter God. This is where I can experience God. But we can daily through everything in life experience his presence and voice. Come on, man. And they can get that at Life Poured Out International, I-N-T-L, sorry, .org or Amazon. Um, Man, if you want to live that life, you want practical tools, you want language, you want to be able to step into those things, get that book. Get it right now. I don't get a royalty. I don't get nothing. (laughs) I just want to bless my brother. You need to get it. So Mm -hmm. awesome. Appreciate you. And like I said earlier, just, you know, join in the chat. Bunch of people are like, yes, hand in hand. They're in agreement and this is so good. I love it. So good. But hey, tell us where you're watching from in the comments. That really helps us get the word out there. And as we jump into this, Michael, you know, we talked about what what would we talk about? Because we could just talk about what you just said. All fruitfulness, fruitfulness (laughs) from intimacy. We could talk about that for 10 hours, right? Of course. Um, But you felt you brought up a couple of topics and the one that resonated like I was like, wow, yeah, we got to talk about breaking out of religiosity because I grew up in a place that was very uh you know, I say it this way. We were, we had the father, the son and the Holy Bible. Mm-hmm. Right. And we did not have any move of the Holy spirit. The Holy spirit is like the redhead stepchild of the Trinity. We didn't talk about it. You know, it was just kind of like over there and I'm not mad about my roots. They taught me the Bible. I love them. I'm so grateful for that. Mm-hmm. So grateful. I I'm a feaster of the word because I feast on the mm-hmm. word because of them. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm not upset about it, but you know, in my upbringing, I did not have, I had very few times where I would say, I encountered the presence of God. I mean, there were a couple moments in worship, right? Where we, the whole church was singing and it just felt like, you know, like we were singing with heaven, like the angels were singing. It was just like, it just broke in, right? Cause there's those times, I don't know if anyone watching this knows this, like the sovereign move of God, he just does what he wants in any context. He just touches the hearts of people. Mm -hmm. So we're not saying, let's start with what we're not saying. We're not saying that God cannot encounter us in a religious, religious environment. He can do whatever he wants. Mm-hmm. He can do whatever he wants. But there are things, religious things that we hold dear that God isn't so dearly fond of. Mm-hmm. And it was like, if you would just let that go, mm-hmm. I could come in and do something different. So yeah. what's an example? And the first one off your head, like what, what are one of those religious yeah. norms that keeps us in that cycle of like 
having just a taste, but not really tasting and seeing, mm. not really having a full encounter with Jesus? What would you say? Yeah, bro, that's really good. I would I would like to just maybe start with 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 um there was something that Paul Young, the author of The Shack, said that always really stood out to me. He said, God comes into our religious boxes and meets us there to break us out of them. And Come so on. it doesn't matter. You don't have to have your theology right. You don't need to have your practice. 100% right. perfect. The Lord will come and meet you wherever you are. God encounters people in bars. God encounters people in strip clubs. God encounters people in some of the darkest, craziest places in the world because where the darkness is prevalent, God's light shines even brighter and he captivates us in that place. And so I love that. You know, whether we're going to a service and there's very little activity or movement of the Holy Spirit, the Lord will come. He sees a seeking heart, a heart that's turned towards him. It says that he dwells with the contrite and broken in spirit and those who tremble at his word. And so he sees our heart and he comes and he meets us in that place. And with that encounter, we become hungry and we realize like, wow, I think there's more to this thing. And then the Lord begins to open doors and draw us maybe into an atmosphere that's more suitable for spiritual growth. But right. even just that question, man, that question of does religiosity hold mm. us back from the presence of God? And the answer is absolutely, absolutely, <laughs> because religion is about the outward appearance, but God is about the heart. And Come the on. enemy loves to keep us preoccupied with performance, with behavior modification, with, hey, I need to do this, X, Y, Z, to check the boxes, to make God happy, to get into God's presence, to do this or whatever, when God is just looking for a broken and contrite heart. In my yeah. dude, in my experience, I've, you know, in, in sin struggles, you know, in, in my, in my like, Lord, I can't believe I just did that. I can't believe my thoughts were on that. And I just come to him, just Jesus, I love you. I'm so sorry. I just draw near to him. He comes with his manifest presence. I didn't do anything to enter into that place except turn my attention, affection in faith. The Bible says full assurance of faith with sincerity of heart. It says in Hebrews, sincerity of mm. heart, full assurance of faith. And his presence comes and he brings me the comfort I need, the joy that I need. And so the, de the, the enemy would love to get us wrapped up in what I need to do. You know, I'm not doing enough and looking at ourselves as the yeah. source but God says, that's religion. Stop looking at that. I'm looking at the heart. Bro, that's so good. And I think it's, it, it's, gonna, it's important we make a distinction here about the nature of the covenant we're in. Because there was a time on the earth where God ordained a ceremony to enter into his presence. That's right. Right? Yeah. I mean, the Levites, they had an exacting ceremony. ceremony. They were the only ones allowed to do it. The priests only, the high priests only once a year behind the curtain. All of that was ordained of God and God's idea. But it was not an eternal thing. Yeah. It was a temporal thing. It was a part of the covenant. That's right. right? Because he had ordained a process to tutor. It says, Galatians says it was a tutor. The law was a tutor that brought us to Christ. And that tutor word is not the word teacher. It's the word hall monitor. The law was a hall monitor that took us from one classroom to another. Come on. Okay. It took us from one state to another. And it says when the fullness of time came, faith came. And now in this covenant of faith, like you're talking about, having that faith filled indwelling indwelled by the holy spirit we're not going into the tabernacle we're not going into the holy of holies the holy of holies has come into us so i think it's important to make the distinction that though there was a time where there was a ceremony they did have to wash their robes yes. they did have to clean themselves up 
in order to be worthy of the presence of God, we need to break out of that old covenant paradigm and realize the covenant we're in. Because without that, we'll be putting old covenant paradigms onto new covenant processes. And it does not work. They don't fit together. So I love that you made that distinction that Christ in you is the hope of glory, that we have access like right now, wherever you're watching right now, if you have received Jesus as Lord, if you have a, you have unbroken fellowship with him, whether you know it or not. So maybe you just got your eyes on the wrong thing. Maybe you do, but it's not about getting yourself ready for the presence. It's about use, letting the presence ready you for the season. That's right. Man. It's not about you getting ready for anything. He, you have become the temple of the Holy Spirit. Like we believe this stuff. It's the New Testament. So yes. in that, in that, what are some like, so somebody, and I want to back up a little bit because you talked about stripper strip clubs. And, and, <laughs> well, I didn't talk. Uh, I mentioned it. <laughs> oh, no, it's a great point. Yeah. God can encounter people anywhere. The anywhere. point I want to make today is I love what you said. It's so true. I've seen people get encountered at bars. I used to pray for people at the merch table for my band when we were playing in bars and they're wasted and they would encounter Jesus. <laughs> yes, that, they would. that would happen, right? But that's such a great distinction because if people can encounter God in bars and garbage dumps and all these mm-hmm. lewd and lascivious places, why not your religious environment? For sure. Like oh, 100%. I did, I did not think about that until you just said it. I'm like, wait a minute. That's a great point because people, I hear this, you know, people like they come from another church, they come to my church or whatever. And they say, well, the Lord's, it's not really flowing over there. You know, the spirit isn't allowed to move over there. And I it has bothered me every time. And I'm just like, uh, you're talking about the omnipresent God is not there. Like, I know what you're saying. There's no manifest presence there. You said the environment that's more conducive to spiritual sure. growth, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But yeah. let's, give, let's give the Lord of glory credit. He can come in whenever he wants. If he oh, can absolutely. come into a bar, he can come into a religious broken church and let oh, me help you every 100%. church has brokenness oh so 100 i just want to jump back to that if you can talk about that a little oh, bit because isaiah isaiah 55 the lord just put in my brain isaiah 55 because you're talking about old covenant new covenant and david yep. king david is a beautiful picture of someone who tapped into new covenant realities under the old covenant there's right. things david got away with that other people couldn't get away with you know <laughs> and the whole idea of all of israel coming in the city of david into the presence of god and the whole tabernacle of David is a radical. That was a new covenant reality in an yes. old covenant time. But in Isaiah 55, it says, everyone who thirsts, I got my Bible right here. So everyone who thirsts come to the waters and you who have no money buy and eat, come buy wine and milk without cost and without money. Why do you spend your money for what is not bread, your wages for what does not satisfy? But then he goes on to say in verse three, he says, incline your ear and come to me, listen that you may live and I will make an everlasting covenant with you according to the sure mercies shown to David. I just, I love that bro. So we are in a new covenant. We did not perform our way into it. Jesus Christ is the obedient one. He is the perfect one. He is the one that lived the life we could not live. And he died the death that we deserved. And he brought us with him into a place of glory. And so he is the only one, man. He is the only one that can do it. And he got what we deserved. We get what he deserves. You know, his merit is now our merit. And we get to stand in that place. And he treats us as such. The, The new covenant is not with God and man. It's with God, a father, God, and Jesus. And we get engrafted into that covenant and we have the covering of his righteousness. And so, um, anyways, bro, I just, I love that. Just no, to kind of get into that. So important. This is, this is everything because when we talk about religiosity, we talk about religion, we talk about those outward things. We're not talking about the pure 
undefiled religion mentioned in James chapter one, I believe yeah. it's 27. We're not talking about no. care for mm-hmm. widows and orphans and their time mm-hmm. of need and keeping yourself unsafe for the world. We're not talking about that. We're really talking about these legal, this legalistic spirit, this you have to do in order to be, you have to give in order to get, you have to come to God rightly in order for him to be right towards you. That is done with. That's the scandal of grace, as Mike Bickle puts it. Mm-hmm. The scandal of grace is that you don't contribute in any way to the way God contributes to you. You don't contribute. You don't give to God. So he gives to you. He gave first. That's right. He gave first while we were yet enemies with God. Christ died. This is Romans five paraphrasing, but somebody might die for a good person. Mm -hmm. Somebody might die for their dear friend. Mm -hmm. Someone might do something good for those who do good, but who would do it for their enemies? God did it while we were still enemies. Christ Mm -hmm. died for us. Mm -hmm. And so this shift that has to happen, I believe, is so vital. It's it's not a side point or a, a warm-up. What you're saying is so important that we understand the imputed, engrafted, infused righteousness mm-hmm. that we participate in. That we're not just covered in the blood of Jesus. We're cleansed we're by, cleansed the, blood by the blood. Come on, dude. And this is important because how could we approach a holy God if we feel like we're unholy? How can we come boldly before the presence exactly. of God if we're covered in shame? If I felt like somebody had something against me and I owed them something, if I saw them in a room or at a party, I would just hide behind somebody and get out of there. You know what I mean? And so there's no confidence when there's shame, self-condemnation, when we're sin conscious, when we don't have a reality of the gospel. And the Bible says that we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. That's how we step in the transformation when we have our mind renewed to the gospel. Yes. And Martin Luther said that we have to preach the gospel to ourselves every day because we forget it every day. And so I preach the gospel to my heart every single day. I wake up and I declare my righteousness. I thank Jesus for all he did for me, my access to him. And so but that being said, that's why we're touching on this, just starting out. We'll, we'll hammer in some other things. But if we are focused on our sin and we believe our sin separates us from God or God maybe turns away from us in our sin or God's aloof to us or disgruntled with us in our sin, not having a revelation of Christ, his heart, what he's accomplished on our behalf vicariously on the cross, then we're going to have a really hard time approaching him as a son with hands wide open. So true. And so you mentioned if you're ashamed or if you have a, if you have struggle with an individual uh, and you you come into a room and you that's just a great picture. What would you say are some ways that maybe people without knowing it are doing that? Like they come to church or whatever and they're treating God like there's 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 a problem with that. You know, Romans five again says we have peace with God. Yeah. Like they, what are some ways you see that happening or maybe some built in systems or processes, religious norms that kind of feed into that, that separation. Like God is over there and I am over here. I'm on this side of the room. He's on that side of the room. What are some things that you think contribute to that, that maybe we are calling good? You know, the Bible says, do not call light darkness and darkness light. Right. So like, I think some of these things are, are not so much light and we're saying they're good for us. What are some things you think add to that shame or add to that separation anxiety? that that. What are some of those? First of all, it's a lack of preaching of the gospel in churches around the world. <laughs> you, go to church, again, you go to church with sin issues or you go to church with shame or guilt because you're just struggling that week, just like any human being struggles that week. And then somebody preaches about, oh, you got to repent for God to, you know, be back in his good grace or favor or whatever. Hey, you know, and they just hammer sin and, you know, make you super conscious. And don't, and don't get me wrong. 
Don't get me wrong. The Bible does confront sin and believers yes. are called to the standard of holy living, but we can't do that in our own flesh and ability. It's the gospel and it's knowing the truth that sets us free. And so that's, that's just number one. We need more radical preachers of the gospel of Jesus Christ that are demolishing the lies that religion has yeah. built in the church and believers. We like, thank God for the resting place in Tampa. Thank God for churches around the world that are preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, hammering identity, you know, the finished work of Jesus every single week. And on top of that, encouraging and motivating the saints to good works from that place. And then, and then not only that, it's just a reality of, Hey, we go to church on Sunday. That's where we get spiritual things done. Right. But all week we're just weighed down by, because we're not connecting with them on a daily basis. So we make church to be the place that we encounter God when, and then I got to carry my baggage all week until I get to church. And then we have 20 minutes of worship and then we have an, you know, a 35 minute sermon and the sermon doesn't necessarily touch on what we're struggling with. And then we go home, but Hey, you know, see you next week or whatever. And so I think there, <laughs> man, that's why I wrote my book immersed in his glory. We have a unbroken fellowship with the Lord 24 seven. I could wake up in the morning and connect with him and he could touch areas of my heart that need to be touched. And I can bring them to him. And in a matter of 30 seconds, I could receive the love of God and get all that shame and condemnation flushed out of my heart. Come and on. so there's just a lot of mixture and it's really hard in the mixture because we do believe Jesus died for us. We do believe that we're forgiven. We do believe those things, but then we also have other belief systems that are hindering us from experiencing the beautiful reality of the gospel. Talk about that. Talk about that mixture, because I believe that is one of the things we would call a normal. When, I, when we say religious norms, just for our conversation today, what we're talking about is things that have become normal, not should be normal, but they're just like it happens everywhere. It's just like mainstream Christianity. Right. And the mixture is a religious norm. Oh, the sure. law and grace mixture it's it is normal it's mainstream it's everywhere i mean calling yourself a wretched sinner is a mainstream thought in christianity oh, sure. but it is also it is also an anti-christ thought oh yeah I mean, it is because christ said not a single letter from paul is written to the sinners of ephesus <laughs> or the sinners in rome i'm sorry bro the joke no, is I mean, so good seriously it's to the saints so I tell people, oh, you, you're a sinner saved by grace, like present tense. Okay, then okay. two-thirds of the New Testament is illegal reading for you. Yeah. It's illegal because yeah. it's not written to you. It's written to us. You're opening someone else's mail, bro. Like, that's illegal. At least in the United States, that's illegal. So mm -hmm. you shouldn't do that. So that mixture is so normative, mm -hmm. and it's disgusting, really. But, mm -hmm. I mean, we both – I don't know if you totally grew up in that, but I definitely grew up in that. And I know many people watching yeah. – are struggling against that. And I hear all the time, what do I do? Because my church has that going on. It, I feel like it, it's holding us back. It's holding me back. I, I only have 20 minutes of worship. I only have that, mm -hmm. the message and it doesn't connect with me. So I'm not picking on the, well, no. those who are contributing yeah. in ignorance or intentional. I'm mm -hmm. saying, how do we manage ourselves in this moment of mixture? Because it is, it is absolutely there. So any practical things, you already said it, I mentioned sure. a little bit about Man, yeah. honestly, man, the process of Christianity is we're not, we're not becoming something that we're not. We're discovering who we are. We're discovering <laughs> the process. If there is a process in Christianity, it's not we're becoming on a daily basis something that we are not. It's that we're discovering who we are. So we're just peeling back the layers of who we are. And there's a lot of lies that we believe and we don't even realize it. And right. I think that if we just have a daily relationship of 
you know, coming before the Lord, spending that time with him, getting in the word. The Holy Spirit's going to do his job, okay? He's, Come on. he's our teacher. We have an anointing from him, and he teaches us all things. He's our counselor. He's going to bring up lies. And if we say, God, like, is there any, are there any lies I'm believing in this season? Is there anything in my mind that's hindering me or holding me back from experiencing the fullness of who you are in my life right now? And I'm going to pick on charismatic. I'm a charismatic. And so, um, and I think a lot of people watching this right now are charismatics, believe in the gifts of the spirit, believe in the power of the Holy Spirit, want it, crave it, all that good stuff. And yeah. so there's a lot of verbiage that we have that I think we need to be careful of because it perpetuates this lie of separation. Come this on. lie of separation. Sin, you know, this idea that sin separates us, yes, but also this, like, this idea that God's up in the clouds and then when we pray, he comes down. You know, this mm -hmm. lack of understanding of Christ in us, that he is closer than the air that we breathe, mm -hmm. that he possesses us, that it is no longer I that lives, but it's Christ that lives in me and through me. And I could do nothing about that. That was his idea. He decided <laughs> to make a home in my body. He cleansed this temple so my body would be a suitable home. And so the Christ that I'm seeking is not in the clouds in heaven only, but he's in me. He's not only up there and I'm not only down here. I am seated right. with him in heavenly places and he is living in this earthen vessel. And so this idea of separation and it is perpetuated in what we say sometimes. And I'm not even right. against some of this verbiage. I just think we need to accurately teach people what we mean when we say these things. Just like, oh yeah, the Lord showed up today in church. Or just, hey, Jesus, walk into the room like our worship songs we're asking him to walk into the room or right. even just glory come down, glory come down, glory come down. Okay. And more Lord, more Holy Spirit, more. Okay. Like there's verbiage. And I, I love more Lord because I'm asking for more of a manifestation of the oh. presence and power of the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying that you have very little Holy Spirit. And now on the outside, right. we got to grab some and bring him in through our prayers. You know what I mean? Cause we're, filled with God, the fullness of God right. dwells on the inside of us. And so, but I, I know like in, in James and I'll, I'll, I'll end with this and I'll let you come in. James yeah. four, eight says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. I believe mm -hmm. that language speaks of intimacy. When you yes. draw near, it's, it's not about proximity. It's not about distance that we come closer and then he comes closer. It's it's intimate friendship language when we draw our heart to him and then he pours out his heart and there's that exchange. So it's it's about manifestation. It's not it's not about like he was far away and our prayers brought him close. And so I get it. Did Jesus show up okay. powerfully today? Yes, he did and manifest glory, but he was always in the room and we need to turn our attention and faith to that. So good, man. I think the, the best example of that is Ephesians 5, you know, the the relationship between husband and wife, it says that that is the, it speaks a mystery of Christ in the church, yeah. right? So the relationship between the, the, the union of a physical, of two people being united in the, in this, in the, their flesh, one flesh, two becoming one flesh, which was the plan from the beginning, yeah. you know, and that speaks a mystery. It says, I don't know the exact address, mm -hmm. but it's in Ephesians 5. It speaks yeah. a mystery and it speaks of Christ in the church. Mm -hmm. So I think about that this way, like I, we're, I, we're both married men, right? Yeah. Like my wife is not in this building. She's at our house mm -hmm. with our boys and she's, she's, she's there doing what she's doing and I'm here doing, but we're mm -hmm. still one. Right? right. So for me, I don't hate, I'm not like, 
I need to draw near to her. Mm-hmm. Nat, like I don't need to go physically from where I'm geographically to where she is geographically to be intimately connected to her. Right. Like I sent her a text earlier this morning and I just asked her a question. She's like, I really appreciate you asking. And we, and it was, we, that was drawing near. It was just, you know, it's yes. not the physical, but yes. we think of it that way with God. We do. And yet husbands and wives are supposed to be a picture of the mystery of Christ in the church. Mm-hmm. So she and I are one, whether I'm on this side of the planet and she's on the other or not, or <laughs> in the same house, mm-hmm. we're still one. Mm-hmm. Can't undo it. You know, I, I get in trouble for this, what I'm about to do. And so I do it a lot. All right. I tell people, you and Jesus are not like this. You and Jesus are like this. Mm-hmm. Or else Jesus's prayers don't get answered. Mm-hmm. What I mean by that is John 17 said, make us one with them. Make them mm-hmm. one with us. That's right. Just as we are one. Mm-hmm. So either all of Jesus's prayers get answered mm-hmm. or they don't. And he's kind of got a direct line to himself. For Jesus sure. is God. So <laughs> for sure. you know what I mean? So yeah. if anyone's praying the perfect will of God is Jesus and oh, that picture sure. of union of oneness, it's true. The, the language, like you're saying more, I love how you made that distinction. You're like, yeah. yes, I want more, but it's not because I have less. Exactly. It's because I want more of what I already have. Mm-hmm. I want it to manifest. Mm-hmm. I want it to be real. I know it's in there by faith, but I want to feel it. Mm-hmm. I want to be, it wants to you know, manifest in the natural, right? Mm-hmm. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth yeah. in the natural, yeah. not just in the spirit. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's an important distinction. Thank you for listening to the Caleb Hires podcast today. I want to help you win the war for love. So go to calebhires.com, sign up for my newsletter, and check out all the amazing resources available there. I'll see you soon.